This episode is dedicated to David Fear. I hope you get some enjoyment out of this, David, and don't worry, there will be more to come on these in the future. I know we talked a little bit about this, but there will be more to come and more in-depth stuff to come. Welcome to another October bonus episode of Screaming Through the Ages, a horror movie history podcast. I am your host, Trey Whetstone, coming from Columbus, Ohio. And this episode's going to have much more of a little bit of a Halloween feel to it. This is the first in what I hope to be several different episodes, a bonus episode of looking at kids' horror TV shows. I have always been into them. I mean, I was really into them as a kid. And then, of course, even getting older, there's been some really good horror and that type of uh, kid shows. And I wanted to highlight a lot of those. Now, this one will be just kind of an introductory. I've picked several shows from the 90s, which, you know, that's the era that I grew up in. And I'm just going to highlight like one episode of these shows and talk a little bit about them, but in the future, you know, I could be reviewing a whole season of a show. I could be taking a look at, you know, the Halloween specials that were on for non-horror shows because those were plentiful back in the day. I feel like everyone had their special Halloween episode and they were all shown on the week leading to Halloween. And I just want to, on this one, again, it's just like an introduction to this. I want to tackle a few of these, talk about them. And throw in some cool little ad spots and music in as well to give you a little bit of that Halloween vibe. And I just want to talk a little bit about why kids' horror shows were so plentiful in the 90s. Get ready to sit on the edge of your seat, because now you're watching Sleek or Treat. So it seems like there were almost an embarrassment of riches when we talk about kids horror shows in the 90s I mean I'm mentioning I think five or six and I feel like I could just go on forever and ever about different shows that were created at that time I think a lot of it had to do you know you had SNCC which was coming up on Nickelodeon was showing stuff geared towards older kids and that's where we would get breakout hits like are you afraid of the dark from and then you had you know I feel like kids TV blocks on non-kid-focused like stations were in a pretty deep competition at this time. There were several that I remember. You know, you had ABC Family or Fox Family at the time, and that would show its own kids' block of cartoons and everything like that. And before, you know, it morphed into the terrible state it is today with Freeform. But... You had a lot of stuff there. You had the WB network, which does not exist anymore. It merged into the CW. They would have their own kids block. You would have Fox Kids, which was on Fox. 
So I think there was just kind of an arms race going for kids' content at the time, and everyone was scrambling to try to get what was best. And then I think you had something like Tales from the Crypt Keeper, which was airing on CBS at one point, and it might have been even ABC before that. So all the networks were getting in on this kind of horror content. And I mean, the kids' TV shows that had horror episodes later in the 90s especially, there were so plentiful. I mean, they did one every year, and a lot of them were really good and really creepy. So was it just that we were maturing into kids wanting to watch more scary or horror-oriented stuff? I mean, Goosebumps exploded in the 90s. That was definitely something that drove a craze. And the books themselves, that is, and then the TV show later. But it just seemed like there was this general rallying to horror in a time where horror movies weren't necessarily having the best time in their existence. So whatever it was, I mean, there are tons that I'm not going to get into today. There were things like The Secret World of Alex Mack or So Weird, which I never got into, but my brother loved. You know, things like Eerie, Indiana and Ah Real Monsters. And there's just a bunch of horror shows that were going out there. I'm going to highlight some specifically and... Please, if there's something you want to cover in the future, let me know, because I would love to do these every once in a while. I'm not going to do them that often, like some of my other bonus episodes, you know, I do them every once in a while, but I'd love to just dive into a show or something like that. I'm going back and watching some of these. Now, some of these shows I've watched over and over again, but some of them I was like, oh, I kind of want to go back through and watch those now. So, you know, if you're trying to pitch me on a modern TV show that everybody loves and is adult-oriented and is, like, the top of everything that everyone's saying, they love it, I'm probably not going to watch it. But if you want to go back and say, hey, there's this 80s or 90s kids show, I will get on that immediately. That's just how my brain works. That's how I am. That's just what I like. Oh, and there was another weird one. I don't know if anyone's watched this. I think it was an Australian show called Round of the Twist. And I think that was on Fox, and I'd watched one episode of that, and it, uh, it, yeah, really creeped me out. I think it was, looking back, I think it's meant to be more of a comedy show, but there was a character that I really liked in one of those episodes, and I'd never even watched more than one episode, so they could have been in every episode, but, you know, this family lives in a lighthouse, and weird stuff happens to them, and I was so devastated by what happened to this character, I was like, I'm never watching this again. But looking back at it now, what happened... Probably more of a comedy show, but then you had weird stuff like Big Bad Beetleborgs, which was like a horror ripoff of Power Rangers, and then you had um, a mummy animated show off the movie, and then there was another one, and I can't remember it, Mummies Alive, Mummies Alive is what it was called, and that was an animated show, but there's just countless ones of these, but I want to get in and talk about a few, and these are ones maybe if you're not as familiar you can jump in and maybe watch some with your kids if you have them or just yourself there's no judgment here I watch these by myself all the time so yeah just looking to give you a little recommendation on that side of things for this Halloween season so let's jump in you hear the screeching of an Got you. 
All the trees begin to moan And the monsters grunt and groan Rotting faces full of slime Don't you know it's terror time? So that musical medley was brought to you by Scooby-Doo, and I'm breaking the rules a little bit with this one. This one wasn't necessarily TV, but there was a line of pretty good direct-to-video Scooby-Doo movies in the late 90s, early aughts, before it devolved into, you know, there's one every year and quality varies. But I think the granddaddy of them all, and this is one that I even liked better than some of the older movies, because I always liked, you know, Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf, and Scooby-Doo and the uh, Ghoul School, and the Boo Brothers, and all that. And I would watch those every Halloween, of course. But when this one came out, I remember renting it so many times, and that is Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Now, this one gets into some pretty hairy territory, and not just because the main villains are cats, you know. I mean, it's pretty, pretty intense, and this is one of those ones where, you know, Scooby-Doo is always like smoke and mirrors. There's always someone behind a plot and that. This is one of those ones where things might actually be real and real stuff going on. And I remember definitely some scary images. I mean, there's some pirate lore involved in this. This is, first off, set in the bayou, which if you want to get points right away, set your movie or show or anything in the bayou, and I'm all for it. That is one of my favorite settings of all time. That or like the swamps of Florida. You do that and I'm in. But there's that, and there's this rumor of this curse, and you know, there's Civil War soldiers, ghosts of Civil War soldiers. Basically, to set this up if you don't know what it is. So it came out in 98, and the premise of this one are the, you know, Mystery Incorporated or the gang, whatever, whatever you want to call them. They've broken up and have gone about their separate lives. You know, Velma's working in a bookstore, and you've got... Fred and Daphne, who, which Daphne has her own TV show, and Fred works on that with her. And she's going to do, I think it's called like Coast to Coast with Daphne Blake, but she's going to do this trip to find, you know, real haunted places or real ghosts or anything like that across America. Well, Fred surprises her. They've got the mystery machine back out, and he's invited the whole gang to come back. So they're on the lookout for real horror experiences. Well, it leads them to Louisiana, and they bump into this woman at the market who basically says, well, I know, you know, I work in a real haunted house or live in a real haunted house, and invite them out on this island where, you know, they have to take a ferry over there, and weird stuff starts happening. And this one has such a creepy atmosphere, and I think the Ghosts and stuff, I mean, Scooby-Doo villains have always been the creepiest part, right? There's a lot of comedy and stuff like that in it, but there's some creepy-looking designs of the villains. And I think that is true here as well. There's a particularly hairy transformation scene later on that's kind of... It's pretty intense, and, you know, I just loved this movie as a kid. This is one that... You know, if you haven't seen this, this is a classic. This was one that I used to watch every October. 
I've been a little lax on my Scooby-Doo movie watches, and I do have all of them on DVD, so I should probably jump back into that at some point. But this was always one of my favorites, and I absolutely recommend it if you're looking for something to watch with the whole family this Halloween season and haven't seen it. So that is the only movie. From here on out, I will exclusively be talking about TV shows. But I wanted to shout this one out really quickly as one of my all-time favorites from this time period from the 90s. It's coming! The day when all you want to do is put on a creepy costume and scream your head off! You've got to watch Halloween screams! All your ghoulish friends will be there as box kids, shocks kids! So keep an eye out for Halloween screams Friday on Fox Kids! Okay, so the next one I want to kind of get out of the way because it's not necessarily straight-ahead horror, and I don't think people would think of it as that, but it's pretty creepy when you really think about it. So the 90s were an excellent time for young adult novels and teen novels, and I'm not just talking about the obvious ones like Harry Potter and all that. I mean, there were some really good ones that I remembered, and... One of those being, you know, non-horror related, but Del Toro Quest, which is this really cool series of fantasy books, which I think have appeal still to adults. Um, I mean, just really well written. Well, there was another series that you would always see at the Scholastic Book Fair, and if you did grow up in the 90s, you absolutely know what that is. But it was K.A. Applegate's Animorphs. Now, on the surface, Animorphs doesn't seem like it's horror, necessarily. Although, pick up one of the books, which I read several of, and look at the covers, and you could be forgiven if you thought it was some kind of grotesque body horror thing. And I mean, in a way, it kind of is. So, this was a Canada and U.S. co-production that started in 1998 and ran for 26 episodes through two seasons. And... You'll find out pretty quickly, if you're watching stuff from the 90s, that Canada really created most of these kids' shows like this. They really did, and I think there's a possibility almost every show that I'm going to be talking about, I think there are maybe one or two exceptions that were not made in Canada. So Canada was absolutely all over kids' entertainment in the 90s. And they had, I've always seen the... I knew growing up the YTV logo, which would be, you know, sometimes if you watch something on YouTube, one of these old shows, it'll have the YTV logo, which was something I'm grasping that was big in Canada as far as, like, that was their big kids' channel. So, what is so creepy about Animorphs? Well, you'd be forgiven if you didn't think on the surface that this was just, like, a sci-fi show or a kid's sci-fi show and very lighthearted. And, I mean, it is to an extent, but... The circumstances are pretty dire in this. You have your typical lineup of 90s kids in this one, and what happens is they're introduced or stumble upon an alien who basically gives them the power to touch any animal and change into that animal. It starts off pretty lame with the animals they choose, and you're probably thinking, why would it be helpful to turn into an animal? Well, that I can't answer. I haven't visited all of this for a long time, but I did watch the two-part debut episode of My Name is Jake, and was, I mean, I'm very tempted to dive back into the show. So what is horrifying about this? Well, if we're just looking at this first 
two episodes here. We've got... So they see this alien crash land on the planet and is trying to give them this power. He's warning them of another alien that's coming. And this other alien is part of this race that wants to kind of infect and take over Earth because there are so many people on Earth. Well, how do they do that? There are these little parasitic creatures that crawl into your ear and basically take over people's brains. And the alien is warning, you know, this will happen to your friends and your family, your sisters, your mom, your dad. They're all going to be under control unless you agree to help. So already pretty dire circumstances. And then we see the evil alien land. And by the way, the designs of these aliens, very weird, very cool. But the evil alien lands, and essentially you see it in like shadows that are projected on a building, but this alien just devours the good alien that the kids were talking to and who warned them. So that's pretty horrific. Then you have, when they actually show them turning into these animals and turning back, is you get these morphed faces and weird stuff going on. It's pretty... A little bit unsettling it is to watch these kids turn from animals back to humans and things like that. So this first episode, again, is setting it up. They get their powers and they're looking for this device that the alien drops. So they're trying to use, they're figuring out how to transform into animals and to control their powers. And then trying to go and get this thing back that this alien dropped at the scene of the crime, as it were. And that's really how we leave things. But Animorphs is, it's not going to be creepy on the surface level, but if you think about everything that's going on, it can be a little creepy. I would say it's probably one of the least scariest on this list. I wouldn't say it is the least scariest, but it's still pretty cool. So, I want to check out some more Animorphs. I might do episodes on this later, if, you know, it turns out to be more of a horror show, but we'll have to see about that. But I would definitely recommend Animorphs. It does have that 90s cheese, but it's not something like Power Rangers. It's not to that level with the dialogue and everything. Give that a spin if it sounds interesting. So I forgot to mention on the last one that Animorphs did air on Fox Kids. So that was part of that block or Fox Family. I can't remember where it aired, but it was on one of those. And next we have, as you'll probably grab from the musical segment playing into this, is Tales from the Crypt Keeper. 
which was a spinoff of Tales from the Crypt, and it was animated and it was much more oriented towards kids. I specifically remember liking this one as a kid because I was too young to get into Tales from the Crypt, but I'd always heard about it, and I was so curious to watch something like that, so when they made a kid's version with Tales from the Crypt Keeper, I was all for it. Now, this one debuted in 1993 and would run for two seasons of 26 episodes before it would be canceled, and then a very big thing in the 90s would be to spin off things into the new this, uh, you know, the new adventures of Batman and Robin and things like that. Um, this would be spun into new Tales from the Crypt Keeper in 1999 and would run for another 13 episodes. So, this one has very much of that early 90s animation, and I'm thinking, like, if you've seen the show The Magic School Bus, I feel like it's very much that animation. It's nothing great. It's not going to blow you away. But this is much more of a lighter tone, much more of a comedic tone in this show than some of these others. What you essentially have is just like Tales from the Crypt, you have, except for the, you know, the Crypt Keeper comes in, he introduces the story a little bit, and he does the closeout at the end. And in between there, we have a morality tale that is more aimed towards kids and dealing with stuff that kids go through. The one that I watched for this episode was This Wraps It, which is all about, you know, getting stuck in the desert. Somehow these kids, young kids, are on a trip to, from the United States to the to Egypt to find the pyramids and stuff, which is weird. But they're on there with their teacher, and they get stuck. They go and explore this tomb. They run into a couple of crypt robbers, really. And that's basically it. You know, the main girl in this gets made fun of for being too tall. She's, you know, all the kids are picking on her, everything like that. Well, this one, you can definitely tell, you know, I did like this as a... this show as a kid, you can definitely tell it's much more aimed towards children and more lighthearted, like I was saying earlier. But there is a very creepy possession scene that happens later on with the main girl. And I think that could, you know, give kids some something to think about, at least. I remember some moments from the series from when I was a kid, but, you know, I remember one specifically with a phone booth. But... I think that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a little bit of creepy here and there. And it might be cool to introduce it to your kids. I think Nathan Bartlebaugh was introducing this to his kids. So that's definitely an option. This would probably be for, yeah, you know, younger kids, I would say. Like, I don't even know what an age range to give. But like, 7, 8, 9, I think would be fine to watch this and not have nightmares or anything. But... I think it's good for that. I think it's good for watching specifically for your kids. I don't think I would watch this one alone anymore. You know, sometimes I put it on when I'm trying to go to bed and just want something on in the background, but I don't think it's something I would sit down and pay attention to and watch now. But as a kid, I loved it. So that is Tales from the Crypt Keeper. This Halloween, things are getting kind of... Witchy. Bloody. Uh, the word is wicked. 
This Halloween, you're invited to chill out for a very wicked weekend. It's time! Keep the creepies crawling all weekend long as we show you creature features, ghoulish scenes, and some of the eeriest episodes of your favorite shows. And if that's not weird enough for you, Erin Chambers from the original movie, Don't Look Under the Bed. I said don't look! Is camping out at Disneyland's haunted mansion. I'm here to check out how haunted the mansion really is. Join Erin on her Wicked Weekend graveyard ship for monster makeovers, a sneaky peek inside the haunted mansion, ghostly sights, and on Halloween night, a so weird marathon. That was so weird. This Halloween weekend. It's going to be so wonderful. No, Wicked. Wicked Weekend! Starting Friday at 3, 2 Central, only on Disney. Okay, let's move in and talk about another animated kids show which was really cool really surreal and kind of ahead of its time and that was courage the cowardly dog now courage ran for 52 episodes across four seasons and it ran from 1999 through 2002 so it just made that cut but i remember when i was younger i think it was a show called the cartoon cartoon show maybe or cartoon roulette or something like that and it played on Cartoon Network, and it was just these shorts or pilot episodes of shows that would play on here, and it was just random stuff. And I think a lot of shows actually came out of that, a lot of those, you know, staples of the mid to late 90s Cartoon Network came out of that show. And there was one on Courage, the Cowardly Dog, which really was quite disturbing to me. It involved a chicken coming from outer space and... The things that happened in that episode really got me as a kid and really kept me up at night. And when it finally came out, I don't think any other episode reached the disturbing level of that one. And maybe it did, but that one just, I remember, always got me. It would be on late at night. And when I would see it, I would almost want to watch it, but be afraid to watch it. So enter when we finally got the Courage episodes. And if you don't know about Courage the Cowardly Dog, it is about a dog who lives with his masters, um, Eustace and Uriel, and they're farmers, and Eustace is very mean to Courage, but Muriel loves him. And he basically is anthropomorphic, but only to us. We're the only ones that can hear him talk, or uh, Eustace and Muriel certainly can't. But he lives in the middle of this weird town in the middle of nowhere, USA, and gets into all kinds of weird situations and scary situations and he has to usually get his family out of trouble the episode i wanted to take a look at specifically and these ran in two episodes per you know the 30 minute episode the one i really wanted to talk about and i did watch one before this that was about a siren coming out of a black puddle and leading eustace down and trying to eat him uh, which in, did involve like a pile of skeletons and bones, which is pretty creepy. But then we get to the one called Everyone Wants to Direct. And I specifically remember this. This isn't one of the scarier ones, but I did want to touch on this one because I always remembered this one playing. And in this, they have a visitor to their house whose name is Benton Tarantella, a famous indie film director. So given the time this comes out, you can probably make some connections there. But Benton is there to make a film, and all he has to say to Eustace that there's money involved, and that's enough for him, and then Muriel, the 
idea of starring in this is enough for her. So he Carriage senses some weird things. He thinks this guy might be a zombie because body parts are falling off. He goes up to this computer, which he always consults, who talks to him and gives him like search results and stuff. And the computer basically tells him there's no record of this guy, but he does find something where him and his partner had, you know, both got in trouble because they were committing crimes. They got sent to jail. He got acquitted and died, and his partner died as well. His partner is buried under this house. So he came, he dug him up. There's this special ceremony they're doing around the moon, and they're going to eat Muriel. So it's all about courage getting his way out of that. And I think it's a memorable episode. There are so many memorable things in this episode. The Cats Hotel, which are these creepy cats that have a hotel. There's one with hair loss that I remember is very kind of disturbing. There's one with a character called Doc Gerbil, and that um, is a little unsettling as well. There's one with a, a risen mummy or pharaoh or something, and there's so many episodes I could have chosen from with Courage, because I really did watch that a ton when it first came out. But if you haven't checked into Courage, I feel like some of these other ones are more of classic ones, but I feel like Courage is more of at the time, and maybe Tales from the Crypt Keeper is the same thing. But honestly, Courage is pretty cool to watch as an adult even. But throw this one on with your older kids, and I don't think they'll be disappointed. That's Courage the Cowardly Dog. So now we're getting into two of the absolute classics of kids' horror shows. And as you could probably tell by the music, this one is for Goosebumps. Now this one first came out in 1995 and ran for a total of 74 episodes across four seasons. And it was, of course, based off the best-selling children's book series, which started in 92. And that's how I got my introduction to Goosebumps was through the books. And I was obsessed with collecting and having those books as a kid and reading as many as I could. I never got a full collection or probably anywhere close, but I probably did have about, you know, 30 of those or so. And I really loved Goosebumps. And then they made a TV show about it, and it was pretty pretty creepy, especially as a kid. Now, I think looking back, some of the episodes are pretty light on the horror stuff, not as scary, but I mean, it's not made for adults. It was made for probably like preteens or maybe a little younger. I mean, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about Goosebumps. 
the episode I wanted to highlight was the very first episode, and that was the Haunted Mask Parts 1 and Part 2. Now, if you're not familiar, these are a series of anthology stories that are completely unrelated, usually. Sometimes there are sequels um, in the books and in the episodes as well. But that's what you're getting here. You're getting horror anthology for kids. In this episode particularly, or these two episodes, you have R.L. Stein introducing it, and then at the end he kind of gives a wrap-up. So this is truly like a pilot episode. I picked this one because it is probably one of the most freaky of the Goosebumps episodes. There's, you know, a crazy German guy in this who makes these masks, and we find out the truth about that later, but he's very unhinged, he seems. And then you have, of course, the fact that you're putting this mask on and you can't get it off, and you start becoming a completely different person. So I think this is definitely one of the most iconic episodes of the series. I mean, it gets pretty intense. Now, it's not going to get intense as something as... So I feel like when you're talking about R.L. Stein, there are different levels. I mean, you had the Goosebumps books, which were made for younger kids. You had the Haunting Hour, which he would push into, you know, a little bit older age. And then you've got things like the Nightmare Room and Fear Street for older. And that's kind of what you're getting. Now, I have to say, though, out of watching all of these, I think this Goosebumps episode may be one of the more... Um, that would appeal to horror fans than some of the others. And I know there are several people out there who love these Goosebumps shows and movies and everything else, so there's really not a lot of talk or introducing you need to do with this. I mean, I think this is perfect for kids to watch. I think sometimes adults can get enjoyment out of it as well. Keep in mind, none of this stuff on this list is really going to freak you out or scare you as an adult, but... I think it's great to watch this kind of thing with your family and your kids and get enjoyment out of it that way. One thing I will note is that when you're looking into the, you know, how these, a lot of these shows are made into Canada, and you've got Catherine Long's character of Carly Beth in this one, and you can try to have an American accent all you want, but when you break out into a sorry several different times, we kind of know the jig's up, okay? But uh, no, that's nothing against that. I I'm love that Canada put all this stuff out for us and we had all these shows to watch throughout the 90s. But what I want to end up saying is get out there and watch some Goosebumps. It is, I think, still on Netflix, so you can easily watch. You can easily watch most of these, whether it's through a streaming service or through YouTube. A lot of times we'll have the episodes. So... Goosebumps is a fantastic one. I want to go down through this one and the next one and do maybe a full season recap at a time or something like that and talk about the development of the show and all that. But for now, for this primer, I just say go check out Goosebumps this Halloween season. I think these might be some of the more perfect kids shows to watch around the time because there are a lot of Halloween-based episodes.
All right, we are into the other staple when it comes to 90s kids horror, and that is Are You Afraid of the Dark? Now, this one debuted in 1990 and would run for, I believe, five seasons originally, um, all together with all the revivals that happened in the late 90s and that hap- are happening now. It runs for 10 seasons for 103 episodes. But Are You Afraid of the Dark is one of my fondest memories as a kid watching it on SNCC or Saturday Night Nick. It was always the highlight of my week, checking that out with my cousins on Saturday nights. And we'd sometimes watch that, and pretty much everything that was on that programming block. But Are You Afraid of the Dark was pretty creepy, especially for the time there were some episodes that really got to me as a kid and that stand out. Now, a lot of those were from Season 5, because I think that's when I had started really watching it, was the Season 5 stuff, but... There are some really good episodes in there. Now, there are much more creepier episodes. But this was... The one I want to pick and highlight here was one that... It kind of stood out and has always stood out. It had to have been one of the earlier ones I've seen. And that is The Tale of the Prom Queen. Now, in The Tale of the Prom Queen, you've got a couple of guys and a girl that are full-on 90s. I mean, there's no doubt about this show that is 100% early 90s feel. So anyway, they're in a graveyard, and I can't remember who it was, but somebody tells the others about the story of the, you know, prom queen that never made it to prom, and, you know, her boyfriend drove his car into a lake accidentally, and she got hit by a car. So it's pretty terrifying if you think about it that way, just from a horror standpoint. But... They go about this quest of trying to figure out who the prom queen was and what happened and trying to solve the mystery and put their soul at rest. You know, there's a seance in this. There's a lot of going into a library and looking at old newspapers and things like that. Stuff that I really love when kids from a certain era are researching things, but... Yeah, something, there's a twist at the end for sure, like there, you know, usually it is with these episodes. And I tell you, I picked this one mainly because it does feel very fallish. I don't know if it's set in the early spring or the fall, but it does feel kind of fallish. So, I've always liked this episode. I've always liked the story that goes along with this episode. I think it's a classic of Are You Afraid of the Dark? I think it's definitely one to check out this Halloween season with your family. Now, Are You Afraid of the Dark gets a little rougher than Goosebumps at times. I think this was much more made for those early teenage years, but it's nothing you can't handle, I don't think. So, I think sitting around, I mean, I've watched this series probably the most, definitely the most out of any of these on here. I've watched it over and over again, and I know most of the episodes pretty well. So, uh, yeah, you can check those out on Paramount Plus, I believe. They're all over there. And you should check out, definitely, I haven't seen the newest season of the newer episodes, but the two that I have seen, they're kind of like mini-series with, you know, four, five, six episodes, whatever it is. And the first two that I saw were very good. They're not necessarily what you remember with Are You Afraid of the Dark, but I think they're better than that 99 revival that they tried to do. So, definitely worth checking out, and... Yeah, you can definitely get into that with the whole family. Chills run down your spine. You 
break into a cold sweat. Your heart begins to pound. You are afraid. Tonight, on scariest places on Earth, an exorcism in England. Anybody tells you a ghost can't hurt you, they don't know what they're talking about. We just don't want to be here. I believe what we have here is something extremely evil. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command all evil spirits to leave this house. Not good at all. Not good at all. An ex-murderer. Two girls, their heads chopped off. Nobody deserves to die like that. It's annoying what happened, knowing what was in there. And when you go in and you sit in the dark, you can feel it. The dormitory of death. A student committed suicide under strange circumstances. All the strange stuff started happening. I decided not to stay in my room anymore. There was something up there. A horror movie waiting to happen. She's standing right here. This family dares to spend the night in the world's most haunted castle. My name is David Olson. Kind of a show-me kind of guy. <laughs> Kim Olson. I like adventure. If I have to protect her, I will. Let's go. Katie Egger. I wake up every morning scared. This is going to be so cool. So as a bonus, I just want to talk about this really quick, and you can hear the intro there. So this was from a short-lived, I think they might have done it in around October, like for a few years in a row, but it was a horror show centered around investigating, I think they were teens investigating, these haunted places, and it was called Scariest Places on Earth. I believe it ran on ABC Family and was hosted by Linda Blair. And I always found those creepy to watch around this time. I think they're they're not as creepy as you're going to think they are, but I think you still do get some unsettledness with these, and it's definitely geared more towards teenagers. I haven't watched these in a while, but I used to love watching these and really loved when they put them out, and there really wasn't anything like this. You know, this was reality TV with kids in a horror setting, so those are cool to go back and check out on YouTube if you would like. And then there was another one in a similar vein, I think, that came out in 2002 called Scaredy Camp. And Scariest Places on Earth kind of brought this back to me, but this is the same type of thing. It's a, um, kids are set in a camp, and it's a reality show, and this one they kind of have to go around and solve a mystery going through clues. But from what I remember, there's some, like, scary things going on in there and, and all that, so... I really liked that one as well. Those are two that are perfect. Those two shows are perfect for this time of year to watch with your kids or heck, watch by yourself and they'll get you definitely into that kind of mood. So I would recommend both of those just to kind of give something to close this out. So that's been this first episode of these kids TV type shows. If you want more of these, please let me know. If you want a specific topic going further, now, this is just an introduction. I would plan if I did these any more to do much more in-depth looks at shows or a season of a show or something like that. It wouldn't be just going through and briefly talking about an episode I recommend. But that's going to do it for this one. Keep it tuned here for all of the bonus episodes and regular episodes this October. 
you know, we have Giallo episodes coming out, we have an episode on 2018 horror and kind of how I don't like a lot of the major 2018 horror movies. We've got something coming out on a canceled Nickelodeon TV show that was supposedly, you know, too scary to show to kids. So keep an ear out for that one. And yeah, just keep your eye on your favorite podcast feed for your next bi-weekly horror movie history lesson. <laughs>